Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the Attack of the B-Movies podcast. No? Eh. Nah, I was just trying it out. Uh, so, you know, I talked about Slipstream and how it had this massive, like, well, not massive, but it had a pretty solid array of actors in it, and it really just wasn't that good a movie. Uh, this time, I'm doing another movie that has a very solid selection of actors in it, uh, and actually is a much more fun movie. It's it's actually for a change, not uh, <laughs> it's not post-apocalyptic. It takes place in a on another planet, and it's uh, 1980s Battle Beyond the Stars. So here we have another movie that has, like I said, it's got a big cast. It's got a, a stellar cast. It really does. It, we have Robert Vaughn, George Pappard, John Saxon, and Sybil Danning, all known actors and actresses. Um, Richard Thomas is in it as well, and you might know Richard Thomas from... Let me think a second. You know, nothing comes to mind. He, he's been, he was in a lot of stuff, and he uh, did a lot of TV before and after, to be honest. So, you might know him from something on there. But, ultimately, movie-wise, he, he only starred in, I think, 20 movies, maybe. So, I'm not really sure where you might know him from, but he, he's in it. And, let's see, anybody else? Darlene Flugel? Uh, again, not one I remember. Unfortunately, sorry, to, sorry to say it, you know. But she was in it as well. Anyways, back to the film. Sorry, I got sidetracked there for a little. But it, it, it's really an amazingly large. Um, it's a pretty good cast. Robert Vaughn and George Pappard really had some star power, and it wasn't a Star Wars ripoff, which was nice. Oh, did I mention that Roger Corman was one of the producers and Ed Carlin? Ed Carlin. So, anyways, it was not oddly. It was oddly not a star uh, a Star Wars ripoff. So, anyways, basically, they intended this to be kind of a western feeling movie, and I believe it was even stated that it was going to be the Magnificent Seven in outer space, which was a movie Robert Vaughn appeared in because Magnificent Seven is a fantastic movie. Uh, oddly, that is a western remake of um, a 1954 movie called The Seven Samurai. If you've never seen The Seven Samurai. You really, really should check it out. So, the, the screenplay was written by John Sayles. Um, and here's a name that you might recognize that did the special effects, or at least designed some of them, was James... Eh, James? James Cameron. Which, uh... Yeah, 1980, James Cameron's getting in the game here. He'll eventually become king of the sequel and king of destroying his own franchises. So, the plot. Now, I did say this movie was fun to watch, and it was, but this movie's... It clocks in at 105 minutes, but it feels long. I'm just going to say that. So, basically, there's a, a tyrannical warlord, of course, named Sater. It's played by John Saxon. He is the ruler of the Momori Empire, and he has this issue where his body parts are deteriorating, and he captures and appropriates and attaches ones from people he defeats. 
he comes upon this farming world named Akir, or Akir, and is trying to, he threatens them, because he, uh, he can, <laughs> I guess. His, um, his spaceship has a, what's called a stellar converter. It's a weapon that can turn a planet into a star, and he de he demands to them that they submit to him when he returns, or he'll turn them, turn their planet into a giant star, or into a star. Uh, it's funny because I think he call, he says I will return and if you do not when I return in seven risings of your red giant, uh, so seven days, he'll um, he'll destroy the planet if they don't agree to his terms. So they have a guy named Zed, played by a guy named Jeff Corey. Zed used to be I guess they call him a corsair. I'm not I, I guess soldier pilot. I think pilot more so, and he, he, but he's too old to fly anymore. He has a ship, and it's really, it supposedly it's pretty good, but he doesn't have, he can't fly anymore. He's old, he's almost blind, he's almost dead, really. So he said, listen, if you guys can hire, I, I think we need to hire some mercenaries, and I'll loan you my ship, or I'll give you my ship to go find mercenaries, but I can't go, I'm too old to do it. You just need to find a pilot. And they could use the ship to defeat Seder. Because the ship's pretty well armed to the teeth, and it has um, a pretty wicked AI in it, but it's still not enough on its own. So a, a, a man named Shad, he's uh, he's piloted the ship before, and he he knows the ca the tactical computer, which um, the computer actually has a name, it's Nell. He knows Nell, so he volunteers for the he volunteers to be the guy to go find the mercenaries. So the first place he stops is a space station of a Doctor Hephaestus. Looking for weapons. He's an old friend of Zed's. The station, it's pretty much um, Hephaestus. Sorry, Hephaestus. And he's basically a cyborg because he's just on life support. He's so old. But his daughter's there, uh, Naniela. Naniela. I can't pronounce the names in this movie. Played by Darlene Flugel. And the rest of the staff on the space station are all aliens. And she pretty much looks after her dad and the aliens. So... The doctor wants Shad to hook up with his daughter. That doesn't happen often, right? You, not like you've ever gone anywhere, or I've ever gone anywhere, and had a, so the father of a beautiful girl, woman say, hey, um, you need to hook up with her. And if you don't, I'll force you to do it. This seems like a really bad, like this is something that would never happen. But for some reason, he decides, well, he can't, he can't abandon his people. Could have took her with, could have just few minutes, whatever, I don't know, he can't abandon his people, and she helps him escape, but she kind of likes the guy, so she, um, she decides to follow her, or follow him, and she decides to help out, she decides to, um, go look for mercenaries for them also, her, her ship is a, of, it has an extremely advanced computer system in it, but there's no weapons on it, so she goes to look for mercenaries. So, uh, the first mercenary Shad encounters is actually called Cowboy, played by George Pappard. He's from, uh, he's from Earth. He's a freighter pilot, kind of like in Space Truckers. He gets ambushed while he's delivering a shipment to another planet. Um, Shad helps fight off the, ja the Space Jackers, maybe? And he, uh, saves the guy. He saves the guy's life. 
So they get to the planet that he's supposed to deliver... I think he was delivering weapons, actually. Laser weapons, I think. They get to the... Right when they get there, they see Saturn's there already. I guess he's already threatened this planet. And they get there, and he destroys the planet with his stellar converter, turning it into a... Uh, turning it into the... Um, the sun. The star. Like he threatened the other... Like he threatened Shad's, Shad's planet. So... With the planet destroyed, and George Pappard not having enough fuel in his uh, freighter to make it back to Earth, he says, hey, listen, why don't you take these laser weapons? I can't use them, and I can't make it back, especially with the load I have, so can you take them with me? So during the course of the conversation, Shad convinces Cowboy to come back to Akira and help out. Or, uh, Akira or Akira? Okay, Akira is a movie with a motorcycle. Eh, whatever. Anyway, to the planet and help out. And I guess, I guess Cowboy insinuates he's a gunslinger, too, even though this is in the, in the future. So then he, after he gets George Papard, Papard to help out, he meets another um, bounty hunter. I use the term loosely because there's technically five of them. They're called Nestor, and there's five alien clones. And um, their whole thing is that their race shares one mind. They're kind of like the Borg, and they're bored. They, um, they're just bored. They want something to do. The consciousness is bored. The race is bored. They, they want some action. So they uh, decide they're going to send five members of their, uh, their group to help out. In fact, they don't even want payment. They're just like, yeah, we're self-sufficient. And then after that, Shad meets up with Robert Vaughn. Uh, he's an his, uh, assassin. And he is so well-known and wealthy that he, any civilized planet he ends up on, there's a threat of somebody, a, a threat of retribution against him. Uh, his name's Gelt. He is trying to put the life behind him. He kind of wants to retire. So for payment, he just wants to live on the planet after, the, after it's over and just hang out and have a peaceful life, which is kind of nice. He's got a really badass ship when it comes to like maneuverability, so... That should be pretty good. So they all start to head back to the to the planet, like here, and uh, Shot actually gets approached by Sybil Danning's character now, who is a Valkyrie warrior, and uh, her name is Saint Exim, Ex Exmin, Exmin, sorry. She's very Wonder Woman-ish in a sense, like she's very like headstrong, and I want to, I need to prove myself. Like early Wonder Woman, when she's trying to prove to her mom that she could survive out on you know the man's world or whatever they called it at the time, mankind's world, and um, she she decides that she wants to join in. She wants in on this battle. She's got a ship. It's got some pretty good firepower. She never really, she says she never really uses all of it. And it's fast. So she joins in. Oddly, much to the Shad's chagrin, let's say. Because I guess he's annoyed with her. And, I, you know, if you look at Sybil Danning and she's dressed in, you know, Valkyrie warrior garb, I don't know if I'd be bored with her. Or I don't know if I'd be annoyed with her. I mean, plus, listen, you're trying to save a planet, dude. She's got a heavily armed ship and she's pretty badass. So, not sure why she would, uh, why that was like an issue for him. But, you know, I'm not the movie maker, so what can I do? And let's see who let's see who else we might meet up. 
And by Valkyrie Warrior like armor, let's be fair. This is the nineteen early nineteen eighties, late seventies. The armor wasn't much, right? So <laughs> let's uh, I get too carried away. So in the mean, so now and then we go back. Now in the meantime, Nanelia is captured by um, a slaver who's a reptilian, and he also possesses this powerful ship. And he's got this crew of aliens. And uh, she convinces him and them to... Uh, hang on, what am I doing here? I just... She she kind of convinces them to help out. She uh, she says they're looking for mercenaries for this war against Seder. And Cayman decides, hey, we'll do it. And all he wants in return is the head of Seder, because it turns out Seder's not a good guy, and a lot of people don't like him. This is the Thanos of this universe, pretty much. He destroyed Cayman's homeworld years ago. So, back on, as this is happening on Akir, uh, Shad has a sister, Maul. The names in this movie are ridiculous. And she gets captured by two warriors, and um, they intend on raping her. And as Shad and his company all show up, they frighten the warriors into attempting to escape. And um, Maul's pissed off about this because they were going to rape her. So in retaliation, she messes with their controls. And it allows uh, Galt, the, Galt was the, um, the assassin, to uh, destroy their ship. He kills all three of them. And uh, they reach the planet's surface. They're heroes. They're greeted by the, nat they're greeted by the natives cautiously because they're relatively violent. And then Seder returns with his forces, and uh, Shad's warriors engage them. And uh, it's a pretty good action action sequence. There's some pretty good action there at the end. And I don't want to give you the rest of it. I think you um, should probably uh, check it out. It, 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 it was actually a fun ride. I enjoyed this one a lot, actually. And um, it was very... There was a lot of very typical... Very stereotypical kind of things, like the cowboy, the Valkyrie warrior, that kind of stuff. Very much like um, the movie with the Hoff. Uh, I did a show on it earlier, a while back. I can't remember it, but uh, it was it was it was interesting to see someone like George Papard and somebody like Robert Vaughn in move in a movie like this, right? Because these aren't. It's not it, at the time. It wouldn't have been a movie that you would think they would have made. So that was kind of cool. It was uh, budgeted for two million. I think it cost two million. It made seven and a half million, so it was a success, and it fulfilled Roger Corman's desire to make a space opera. Um, he did not have the success of Star Wars that he had hoped, and uh, they actually named the planet Akira or Akir. The planet's Akira. The people living there are Akira, and it's named after. The director Akira Kurosawa, who um, was the man who filmed uh, Seven Samurai, so that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, you know, like I said, you had James Cameron doing some of the, you had some of the, um, you had James Cameron tied in here doing some of the work. Uh, apparently, Bill Paxton was on set as a carpenter. And uh, yeah, it was pretty. I, I love a lot of these old films because a lot of these films you read who worked behind the. Uh, Behind the scenes, and you're like, ah, I gotcha. Now, did you reuse? It did reuse some from some material from other Roger Corman films, 
Um, Space Raiders was one of them, as well as uh, lower budget films like Dead Space and Forbidden World. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. I'd say it was good. It was a fun movie. I enjoyed watching it. And if you can get it, your if you can get yourself this, get a copy of it. Go ahead and uh, give it a shot. This one on IMDb has a rating of five point six out of ten. Not too shabby. Rotten Tomatoes, 45% and 42%, which is about 5 out of 10, right? It's about 50%. So, uh, yeah. yeah, if you want something to watch that's space opera-esque, give it a shot. And I will talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye.